Hello everyone and thank you so much as always for clicking on this podcast and this particular episode of Joe Blogs about films, whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, like a state every episode. It is greatly appreciated. Thank you for clicking, for spinning, for sharing. However it is, it means an awful lot. I do sometimes wish I had started this film and TV podcast sooner, especially when it comes to talking about MCU and superhero films in general. There was a time when... Everything, everything that Kevin Feige and the team touched just turned to gold. And without constantly repeating myself of the lack of quality lately with the later or new MCU films, we should say, I will say that if you want to see real quality from current Marvel content, go watch both seasons of Loki. Season two finished last week and it was absolutely stunning. But we're not here to talk about Loki, my friends. Nope, instead I'm going to go over the sequel to this semi-decent, was it 2019 release, Captain Marvel? Only this time, there's a few extra friends along for the ride. The Marvels dropped over the weekend and I, was, I wasn't in the biggest rush to catch the film, I'm not going to be honest. Going from what we'd seen in the trailers, you know, it just looked like it was going to be mid-okay like, at best. Uh, something about it just looked really, really poor in quality and quite jarring with its effects an outright clear as day green screen. Now, yes, the film has those moments of clunky editing and awful green screen. However, this is not as bad as people have been making out. My goodness, I was expecting this to be bottom of the pile of all things superhero, you know. But alas, that wasn't the case at all. The film zips along very nicely with some good chunks of fun in there and some big developments that is pushing the MCU into very exciting territory. And though the film is quite forgettable, or at times makes you feel like you've <laughs> like you've missed something, which, given the current situation of constant Disney Plus shows that Marvel just seems to throw out, it does seem very highly likely that you have missed something, and because you might not have watched them all. I haven't, so there you go. The film, like it does have its highlights, you know, all of which do revolve around the three leads who are really great in this film. Its highs are very high, its lows are quite low. It's as simple as that, really. I probably will dive into a few lightish spoilers, perhaps. I mean, I'm definitely going to be discussing the post credit scene a little bit later, of course. I mean, that, that's a given, because it was like the top three moment of the film. So, fair warning, I, I will give you, I'll give you a heads up. There, there might be stuff in here that might be leaning into spoiler territory, but either way, um, yeah, when it comes to the post-credits, I will give you a, a shout. Ye be warned. But before we go any further, obviously the podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You know where it is. If you jump onto socials as well, Facebook, Instagram, give us a like and a follow on there. That'd be grand. Wherever it is that you listen to this podcast through, if you could hit the notification button for updates when new episodes are uploaded, of course. And finally, wherever it is that you listen to this podcast from, please leave us a review. That would be lovely stuff. Five stars, four stars, whatever stars. I very much would appreciate it. Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau and Ms. Marvel have their powers entangled just as a new threat, Darben, arrives. So I want to jump into some positives straight away because that's the fun side of reviewing things, isn't it? The main three together were very, very fun. Like Iman Villani injected so much life and energy and humour in the film that it instantly made her stand out. Like you felt everything, the energy oozed off screen when she was on screen. I caught the first episode or two episodes of whatever it was of a Disney Plus show, but like most TV series on there, I just gave up as I was just not hooked at all in the slightest. Obviously, I enjoyed what I saw of her as Kamala Khan, but to see her on the big screen alongside Captain Marvel was definitely far better than anything I saw of her show. As we know, she's a huge Captain Marvel fan, and so being able to team up to save the world or even galaxy, universe, whatever, certainly did have its highlights in there. And some good laughs too. The trailer definitely didn't take 
all the better jokes, thankfully. I thought that overall the chemistry and dynamic the film had for these three main stars, that was handled super well and easily the best thing about the film. When they're together, oh, it was great, really, really great. And it's not just like individually them learning how to work as a team, but just how each character feels towards one another to begin with. You've obviously got Kamala Khan, who is a very young fan of Captain Marvel, who's been gifted these insane powers of being able to create hard-like constructs that is now teaming up with her hero and idol. And then you've got Tiona Paris as Monica Rambo, whom, after the events of WandaVision, she can now like face through physical matter and has her own set of badass skills, you know, badass powers. Yet she's got some unresolved personal issues with Captain Marvel following the events of the first film. And then we have Captain Marvel, who is just out there, you know, protecting galaxies, protecting universe from space and doing what she thinks is the right thing. None of these characters were expecting to be in the position they're in, and given they are suddenly warped together and are swapping places once they use their powers, a lot of home truths are forced to come through, whether the team like this or not. The main standout, clearly, for that one would be Monica Rambeau. Like we saw in the first Captain Marvel, how close she and Carol Danvers were, and then once Carol left, that was that. You know, She was a young girl when she left, now she's a full adult. So understandably, this is going to cause friction and tension for Monica as her cool aunt that she thought was the absolute best just didn't return and didn't come back when everything was going wrong on Earth and for her character personally. It's something the film does try and address with Carol Danvers being absent, you know, why she wasn't on Earth, where she's been. But again, it opened up far more questions than it did answer any. And I did think that even if the reason for Carol's absence was a little bit meh or just forced, it's the implication and the emotional reaction that was caused for Monica that felt very, very real. And it was nice to then have that laid out on the table for she and Carol to resolve and move forward, which ultimately, of course, comes full circle at the end of the film, you know, when Monica inevitably sacrificed herself to fix that tear in the galaxy. You know, she's catapulted herself into another universe, and therefore now she is the one that's absent from Carol's life, whom now has to wait and see if Monica will ever return. Obviously, more on that other universe shortly, but I did quite like how the film addressed all of that. But for me, like the best part of the film was the first action set piece. You know, seeing these heroes entangled and switching places during the fight scene with Darben soldiers, I think it was just so, so much fun having them switching from the Sabre space station or wherever that was to them back on Earth in Kamala's home. And a quick shout as well, because I thought that Kamala's family were really brilliant in this film. I remember saying after seeing Blue Beetle that the family dynamic in that was great, but at times it was just a little bit too much. Whereas in the Marvels, they got everything right with the family. Right level of humour, right level of screen time, didn't overdo it, and every scene they had was quite memorable. And a quick side note as well, that when the heroes and villains were fighting in this house, which, as I say, was a joy to watch, and everything was getting destroyed, it was so, so painful to watch. Like, it did hurt me, considering for two or three years now, me and my wife have been renovating our house. Oh, it pained me. It pained me to see this, like, beautiful fireplace being destroyed, you know, all these things getting scraped and scrapped and battered, like the walls, TVs taking a hit, bathrooms being destroyed as well. Painful, painful viewing, I tell you. But obviously, yes, this sequence was easily my favourite of the entire film. It was really fun and it was really crazy just flicking from here to there to then wondering <laughs> which superhero was going to pop up next. You know, very, very much fun. On to some of the negatives, though, because... It's got some. It's got some. I mean, I'll get this out of the way now, since I briefly mentioned it earlier, but the green screen was so bad at times, like really bad at times. I do often wonder if Kevin Feige, you know, watches this stuff and then says to the creative team, is this the best that we can do? Because it's such a far cry from the previous work. You know, the editing as well was all over the place. Like you could tell that dialogue or sequences were cut and removed. And now usually when this is done... 
you you can't tell. I always love those deleted scenes when you're like, huh, that's weird they deleted that. Or that didn't feel like out of place at all that they cut that out. But this one, it's like so jarring because you'll have like, it's so evident that it's been cut, you know, that you'll have a character facing forward and then it'll just be a second later. They're then mid-conversation somewhere else facing another character talking about something else mid-conversation. You know what I mean? It's it's just a little bit off and it was really, really poor on that front. But the biggest negative I had was the villain, sadly. Zor Ashton plays Darben, who is very forgettable, highly forgettable to be exact. Like she's trying to restore and save Halle following the events of Captain Marvel taking down this supreme intelligence and causing a civil war. But it just didn't feel natural at all and really, really forced. And this is what I was saying earlier about how you feel you've missed something. Because when it came to Captain Marvel taking down this supreme intelligence or whatever, I was like, was that in the first film? Did that happen in the first film? But no, it's just something that they've written to have more plot control, more, more plot conveniences, we should say, moving forward. I just thought it was just really, really off. And I just didn't feel like anything to say what she was doing. And she was going to this universe and taking air, taking the sea from there, taking the sun from here. Like, I was like, the stakes just didn't really feel high. Like, when it came to the villain, it just didn't... Her motives, again, are there, but it's, it's just all down to the execution, isn't it? It's just all down to the execution. But on saying that, like, to say that... I, I, I know I'm saying the stakes went high and I'm saying that I wasn't too fussed on the villain, but I will take that, like a 100-minute feature film with a meh villain over like a two-hour two hour plus film with a meh villain because I think if any more runtime was added to this film, I think it would have killed it off for me a little bit, like it really would have been a slog, but it wasn't, so I kind of have to balance it with that front because, yeah, it's not great, but it's easily it's easy to consume. Do you know what I mean? And the other huge negative within this film was the planet that they go to where everyone sings. Put simply, it was awful and I have no idea why they even thought doing this was worthwhile. Leaving that there. I also was slightly confused as to when this takes place, like pre or post uh, Secret Invasion. Some people will be saying or listening to this and going, oh, well, it was clear where it was set. But I I didn't finish Secret Invasion because, again... Very, very meh. But I, I just thought it was weird seeing how different Nick Fury was in this film when in comparison to the serious, dark, gritty tone that was Secret Invasion. Sam Jackson does what he does best in this for, in this role, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that he was bad, but it was a little bit off considering that he'd lost a close friend in Maria Hill and World War Three nearly kicked off, you know, in Secret Wars. So... To then seeing him just joking about in the Marvels was just a little bit off. It just it just made me question like where is this set for him anyways? Like anyways, all those questions aside, he was great in the film, and the other bonus of seeing him and Goose, the cat that isn't a cat, together was again quite nice. And I quickly just want to talk about the post credit sting, as it's it's what everyone's been talking about. Let's be honest, it's the whole reason most people are going to watch his film, even Marvel themselves have been pretty much almost spoiling it with the recent marketing. But just before we do get to it, I'll give you my score, which I'm going to say is a 6 out of 10. Like I've gone over, it isn't the worst film I've ever seen. It's definitely not the worst of the MCU anyways. I always, when I see an MCU film, and nowadays it is a case of just getting through them and just hoping that they aren't terrible or at least aren't poor in quality. It does have its poor moments, don't get me wrong, but it's definitely not the worst thing I've ever seen. And I always question after seeing an MCU film, I always say, would I rather watch what I've just seen or would I, would I rather watch Thor, Love and Thunder or Eternals? And usually, Thor and Eternals always lose. So take from that what you want, you know what I mean? But I'm going to jump to the post credit scene, so if you've not seen the film, you can jump off now. If you're not bothered and just want to have it spoil, then fair play to you. Because to be honest with you, that's where I'm at now with Marvel, so I wouldn't blame you if you are. So, for example, the Marvels, I was, I was, I was unsure whether to go see it. I think I actually had a free Sunday 
few friends obviously were up for it as well. So we went and caught it. But if I'd have had any of this spoil, I wouldn't have been too disappointed. So if you're here for that, fair play to you. All right. But onto the post-credit scene. Following Monica being catapulted into another universe, she awakens to see what she believes is a mum that's alive. And this performance and reaction from Tayona Paris here in this sequence is probably the best emotional range the film has. It has, sure, it has good pockets in there. But... This two or three minute scene is so much more impactful than the previous one hour and 35 minutes, which again says it all really. But ultimately, this is not her mum that she sees, as it's an X-Men character, binary by the looks of things. Cue the 90s animated X-Men theme. Anyways, the ride doesn't stop there as well, because we then hear a familiar Kelsey Grammer discussing what has happened and how Monica has ended up in their reality. Kelsey Grammer famously portrayed Beast, obviously, in X-Men The Last Stand and Days of Future Past, and so it was really cool to see the Beast back. And not only that, he's in the MCU. His design was top-notch, if I do say so, too, resembling the classic 90s animated show look, and the underbite, too, was there for good measure. There's also mention of Charles Xavier, and I'm not going to lie, it, di- it does get me excited. The X-Men and the Fantastic Four are literally what are keeping me holding on to the MCU. I'm just really, really hoping that they do a decent enough job with these characters, as, as that, that would be a very big nail in the coffin for a lot of fans, myself included, if they get any of that wrong. But just taking the post-credit scene for what it was... It was a nice little pocket of excitement for the arrival of the mutants because I think we're all waiting for that now. I think that, I know that like, I, I think for me with Marvel at the minute is I don't really know what they're getting at. Loki, as I say, was tremendous work. It's just, I don't know. It's like I spoke about it before with many guests on. We talk about the MCU and the multiverse and the other. It's like everyone's just dipping their toes in it. They don't really want to open it all up, open Pandora's box and have it all flooding out. I think Loki's the closest we've got to it, perhaps. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness really just, that, that was poor let's be honest it was poor i thought that was going to throw open the multiverse but alas that wasn't the case but here now it's like another step forward i just feel like we're taking baby steps it it seems to be taking forever for marvel to actually get going what they want to do you know i mean i know we're leading up to like secret wars this and the other but um i just don't know i just don't really know what to expect anymore from marvel but as i say taking this for what it was i enjoyed it i think there's some real standouts in there say ms marvel herself uh, iman Vellani was so good. She was probably the best thing about it. I thought all of them. I, I still don't really understand why there is such a hate for Brie Larson as well, because I think she does. She's she's a tremendous actress. I think she's great, and, and I think she is top-notch as Captain Marvel. It's just that I just felt, I always felt like her character was forced into the MCU. Like, once Infinity War happens, and then we got that post-credits teaser for her, and then we got the film, I was like, I don't really, this was just completely unnecessary. But, you know, you have to run with it, I guess, keep the character alive. And it is nice to see, and like I said, Brie Larson, Tayona Paris, and Imana Valani all just together on screen in this, yeah, trio that are really, really fun to watch. But anyways, it's just a shame that the execution wasn't all there for this film. But it's certainly, 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 please, please, please take away that it's not the worst Marvel film ever. But with all that said, thank you so much for listening. If you've seen the Marvels, do let me know what you think of the Marvels. Where does it rank? I mean, if you want to rank them all, you can do. But just just let me know if you think it's worse than Thor or Eternals, to be honest with you, because that is the bottom of the pile for me when it comes to uh, MCU films. But yeah, definitely not the worst thing I watched, but yeah, could have been could have been way better. Thank you as always, though, for listening. I really do appreciate your support. As I say, jump onto the socials, all that jazz, give us a like and a follow. But I'll be back with more reviews, more revisits, whatever I can on the podcast very, very soon. Until the next episode, take care.